Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast. This is another bite-sized episode, and I'm your host, Simon Ward. If you aren't already a regular listener, I hope that after listening, you feel like you might come back. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so you know that whenever a new episode arrives. The podcasts are published twice a week on Wednesday and Saturday. They're ad-free, and it's my mission to help you to improve your health and performance as a human and an endurance athlete. And to help me, I'd love it if you could share this episode with just one person you think could benefit from listening. If you have a couple more minutes, perhaps you could leave me a review on your chosen platform once you've finished listening to this episode. And this episode is all about the seven steps to being a better swimmer this winter. Swimming is the most skill dependent of the three triathlon disciplines, and it's the one which brings the least gain in terms of minutes saved on race day. And yet, it's also the one where most triathletes are frustrated by their apparent lack of progress despite regular visits to the pool. So, in this bite sized podcast, I'll outline those seven steps for becoming a better swimmer. And at the end, I've also thrown in a bonus step for you. So, here's point one have a coach analyze your stroke. If you swim in a group, that's great. But what if you don't and you're always swimming on your own or with a couple of mates in the pool? What we feel is happening with our stroke isn't always what's actually happening. But you can't make any changes to your stroke if you don't know what's wrong with it. And therefore, you need somebody else to observe your stroke at the pool. Now, occasionally I see folks taking a video of themselves. That's usually a bit grainy over the water from the side. So not covering all the angles and then posting it on social media and asking their followers to share some tips on how they can get better. Now, the people who respond are well-meaning, but if that's you, you'll get lots of answers, some of which might be correct and many which, which won't. But unless you're a swim coach, how do you know which ones to listen to? The key here is to find somebody who actually does know what they're talking about and knows what they're looking for and can help you to identify those problems. So ask your friends which coaches they use. Look out for some referrals in some of the places where you tend to hang out on social media. Somebody that's convenient to go and visit and then get them to observe you. And if possible, have them video your stroke as well because A, you can look at the evidence in front of you. And B, you've also got a benchmark to compare against um, in the future when you go back for future analysis. So that's point one. Once you've had your coach observe you and perhaps do that video, then it's probably up to them, but maybe with your help, to identify your key technical flaws. Now, we all think that there's a lot wrong with our stroke, but what I've learned from years of working and speaking with the best swim coaches is that there are usually two or three key flaws that when fixed will correct most of the others. For example, if you cross the center line with your hand during the catch or pull part of the stroke, this can lead to snaking hips and a split in the leg kick as your body seeks to balance itself. Fixing the catch issue can correct the snaking leg kick issue. In addition, if you try to fix more than two or three elements of your stroke, so you are, let's say you identify five or six faults, that can become overwhelming. And in some cases, you won't know where to start. So it's much more productive if you and your coach can find the biggest lever and focus on this. So you've got your key technical flaw now, or two or three at max. 
The next step is to identify three drills to practice in every session. Once you've identified your key deficiencies, it's important to have corrective drills for these specific issues. Far too often I see athletes in the pool or coaches on the pool side performing and prescribing drills just for the sake of performing and prescribing drills, almost like it's the next part of the warm-up. But this is not entertainment and coaches particularly shouldn't be putting drills in there just to keep people engaged and involved. A drill is designed to reinforce the correct movement patterns until they are so ingrained you can perform them under pressure in a race without having to think. And that takes between 30 and 60 days for it to really stick. So it's critical for you to pay attention when you're doing the drill work and not just use this time as a quick segue to the main set where you think you're going to get better because you're going to do some hard work. So get your drills, practice them in every session and practice them until you can do them technically perfect. And that's technically perfect based on what your body will allow you to do and what your coach feels is the right way to perform this technique. Okay, next step, number four, swim frequently. If you've got one hour each week to swim, I would much rather you swam it as two 30-minute sessions than a a 60-minute session. Many adult swimmers do not have the benefit of having learned good water skills when they were young. And consequently, they almost have to relearn these skills every time they get into the water. If you're only swimming once a week, that means you've got six days to forget what you've done. And so most of the next time you go in the water will be spent relearning that. So your progress will be very, very slow if you make any progress at all. With two 30-minute sets, it might not feel like you're doing a great deal, but in terms of technique, especially if you can do the sessions with two or three days in between, so Monday or Thursday, Tuesday and Friday, some pattern like that, it means that your body is reminded more frequently and you'll be able to retain more of your feel for the water and make progress a little more quickly. It's even possible to do a good fitness workout after you've done the drills in there if you use your time efficiently. Okay, next up, the previous podcast guest I had on was swim coach Josh Spencer. And Josh says that there are two ways to get faster in the pool. And I happen to agree with him. And I think most of the coaches do. Ultimately, it boils down to this. You can either swim harder or you can reduce drag. Now, I know a lot of people favor the swimming harder because you get out of the water feeling like you've had a good workout, you've breathed hard, your shoulders and your arms are feeling a little tired. But as I've got older, I found that it's actually a lot easier on my body to spend more time on reducing drag than it is on trying to swim harder. And my observations of most triathletes is that poor technique and or body position results in them creating lots of and lots of drag and to be quite frank no amount of swim fitness is going to overcome this if you're dragging your legs if you're creating lots of bubbles every time your hands enter the water you can try as hard as you possibly can and your gains are going to be limited so while it's true that 80 20 relates to the split between low to moderate intensity training and high intensity work i also believe that it applies to another division of labor and in this case the amount of time you spend working on technique to reduce drag and how much time you spend doing intervals at what's known as css pace or vo2 max 
Another previous podcast guest, Ray Gibbs from Swim Canary Wharf, says there is not a motor skill in the world that you can do fast before you can do it well, slowly. And what that means is, for a time, put the intervals to the back of your mind, add them at the very end of your session, and spend most of your time improving those techniques that we talked about in points two and three and becoming really efficient in the water so that you can reduce your drag. And once you've done that, it's much easier on your body and for your fitness to add the fast stuff. Point six, see your coach regularly. After your first visit, see a coach and the subsequent prescription of drills, etc. you'll need to practice. For most smokes, this means swimming without the regular idea I have a coach. Because they swim on their own and they don't have access to a group. For a long time, I used to swim in a master's group where we had an excellent coach called Alan Hutchinson. Most weeks I saw Alan at what was known as Survival Saturday. Two hours of just blowing your brains out on a Saturday morning. Often he'd be calling one or two of us out in the group for dropping a second or two on a tough set and owing him one. But more importantly for me, it was his occasional prompt to think about your high elbow and your left arm catch, Simon, or rotate a little bit more so that you're getting more distance on each stroke. And because that was happening on a regular basis, I found it invaluable. So if you don't swim in a group with a coach, I think the next best thing for you to do is make regular visits to the person who's already identified those technical flaws for you. And this also provides you with a level of accountability and helps you to avoid straying too far away from good technique. One swimmer that I know who's been working with Ray Gibbs on a regular basis and been to visit him at least once a month has made huge advances in swim technique just because of those regular visits and paying attention to the drills. So yes, there's probably a financial implication, but let me tell you this. When an individual has thought for many years they can't get faster in the pool, suddenly starts to make swim gains, the enthusiasm and joy for the sport is multiplied many fold. So if that's you, this might be the time to find yourself a coach. Number seven, please be patient. It takes many years to really improve any skill, whether you want to be a painter, doing beautiful artwork, whether you're trying to learn to play a musical instrument or wanting to swim more efficiently. Insurance sports take many minutes to many hours to sometimes days to complete and building the endurance to participate in them also takes time. And the human body can only absorb so much load at any one time. So it's pretty much impossible to short circuit that physiological process. Although there are some charlatans coaches out there who will tell you that they have the secret ingredient. So if you're reading or listening to them, I think this is the time to start ignoring them. There are no secrets other than patience, hard work and process. If we're all to take a few minutes to think about why we enjoyed a particular pastime or participate in a particular sports, it's because they give us so much happiness. Most folks that I know aren't in triathlon or open water swimming for just one or two years. They probably have event to-do lists which stretch years ahead of them. So why the hurry to be a faster swimmer in just a few weeks? Just focus on the process, be patient, and it will come. So let me sum up now. I can remember back to when I started swimming at a master's group. Before I even met the amazing Alan Hutchinson, I thought I was a reasonable swimmer. But on that first session, the warm-up exhausted me. I couldn't even get through the whole session. I went two to three times each week for nigh on 30 years until the COVID break. In some of those sessions, I felt awesome. and the next, I felt like I was a brick. 
although that was probably more to do with fatigue and muscular tightness than my actual stroke. There were some months when I made amazing progress moving up a lane and moving up within that lane. And then for many more months, I felt like I plateaued. But with patience, the eyes of good coaches, attention to small details and a lot of hard work, I got a lot better. I followed all of the steps outlined above, although I hadn't realized that they were in that order then. But when I look back at them now, that's what I did. But if I could give my younger self one bit of advice, it would be this. Have a full body assessment with a physio and find out if what's holding you back is something to do with your biomechanics on your body, more likely your range of motion. Now, remember I said I was going to give you an eighth point. This is it. So please consider it as a bonus. It may well be that a technical defect spotted by your coach is actually the result of a biomechanical problem. For example, not getting full length at the front end of the stroke could be due to tightness in your upper back or a limitation in your shoulders. Sinking legs are often caused by tight hip flexors. For both of these examples and many more, the solution is not in the pool but on dry land. So my advice for every swimmer is to have that full body assessment with the physio at the end of every season. And this is especially important for triathletes who can get very tight due to, to the volume of cycling and running that they do. So let me summarize now. If you really want to improve your swimming next season, find a coach that can analyze your stroke and hopefully get it videoed. Identify one, two, or maximum three technical flaws. Then identify two or three drills to practice to improve those flaws and practice them in every session. Swim frequently. Focus mostly on technique with a little bit of um, interval work at the end. See your coach regularly and be patient. And above all, Get that body assessment because it will tell you a lot of things that will really help, not just for swimming, but for cycling and running too. Right, a bit longer than normal, uh, up to 14 minutes, but I think in the words of Alan Hutchinson, I owed myself a few minutes from those previous podcasts, but that's all for me this week. Uh, If you think I missed something out or you have any questions, please drop me an email and you can find the link in the show notes below. If you think there might be somebody else who could benefit from listening, please feel free to share. And if you like the podcast, please could you leave a rating or a review on your chosen platform. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next week for another bite-sized episode.